It's another Sunday night in comedy, and tonight we're keeping it East Coast. From one of New York's finest to a Maritimes comedy icon who's right here in Toronto. I'm Dean Young, and we're about to go Inside the Joke. Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to an all-new Inside Jokes, baby! Right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And of course, coast-to-coast, Canada-wide, planet-Earth-wide on the Global News Radio Network. Brought to you, of course, by our good friends at Hakeem Optical. Even if you're sitting in the back row, it's probably fine. And tonight, we are going from NYC to right here in the YYZ. We have first-timer on the show, Kate Wolf, down in New York, and later on, one of our favorites, Canadian comedy icon Ron James, who has a new special coming, and he is, of course, back in Toronto from the Maritimes. We have our producer, Vince Tedesco, on the line. How you doing, buddy? Hey, it's been a crazy week. How's your week been? It's not too bad. We're sort of uh, slowly seeing... The, it's like the light at the end of the tunnel is coming. We've been talking about this for actually now, Vince. This is now officially a full year that we've been doing this show on remote, in quarantine. But there's some glimmer of hope now, Vince, that maybe live comedy is around the corner soon ish i feel like we've been saying that for literally a year now it's been one never-ending march we've gone full circle but it i feel like as things slowly reopen and yes of course vince what would normally be festival season is really only a couple months away now and of course last year it didn't happen so maybe maybe we're slowly creeping back here i like that phrase glimmer of hope glimmer of hope that's what we should have called the the mandate for the last three years in this Friggin' country or world of ours, but hey, glimmer of hope it is. But like we were saying on last week's show, though, Vince, it is it is a full year now. It has been basically a full season of COVID, yeah. quarantine comedy. But things have kind of come around full circle in a way. At the beginning, nobody knew what was up, and everything was up in the air, and it was all a giant question mark. But as the year moved on, we've fig- we've talked to more and more comics who've sort of figured out their way around this and how to sort of work within these parameters of what comedy is right now, and and not just use these platforms as a crutch, but do something entirely new with them. Uh, I feel like tonight's guests are no exception to that rule. We have Kate Wolf, of course, down in New York. Yeah. Uh, an interesting balance of what she does in comedy versus what she does off stage, And then, of course, later on, Ron James. We all know him. He has a brand new live streaming special. So we'll find out uh, what he's talking about in that and how, what he thinks of working on those platforms now. Uh, first up on the show, we have actually a first timer on Inside Jokes, which I'm super excited about. Down in New York, we have Kate Wolf. And Kate, one thing, literally anytime we've had comics in New York or LA, I always start off by asking, and it's very literal, how are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say, so I do Manhattan-based comedy, but right now I'm in the Philly suburbs. Yeah. So that so I'm doing a lot differently than people in Manhattan. But I think they're in the clear now because a lot of my close friends, like I think... I don't think things are fully open, but they're happier. Philly suburbs is a lot more chill. Yeah. You know, we still have to wear masks and do, you know, a lot of things are closed, but it's not Manhattan. And one thing, I mean, obviously, you know, we talked to a lot of New York comics on this show. We've talked to a lot of Canadian comics that have moved there over the years too. And during this whole thing, one thing, I mean, I'm always curious about is, I mean, obviously every city has its comedy scene that it relies on and sort of thrives on, but New York is... New York is not LA. New York is a very dyed in the wool, 
like true blue stand-up town, but the entire comedy scene there is built around these sort of cult heritage comedy clubs that are very intimate spaces where people just drop in. And that's where so many comics have cut their teeth. What do you, what do you think that scene is going to look like after all this? Um, I hope it goes back to normal, but even healthier. I think everyone has had to take a step back and look at their approach to comedy, both comedians, comedy club owners, anyone in the comedy world. Right. So I think it's going to be back open. I think we're going to get past COVID, you know, soon, hopefully. Yeah. I'm hoping though, as they open back up, that there's a slightly different Manhattan comedy culture, maybe even a kindness. Um, yeah within, you know, you can still have really um, sharp, witty humor, but my experience with some of the Manhattan comedy scene became very harsh that I needed to take a step back. I will be re-entering yeah. with the healing because I'm also a healer. I became very sensitive to certain environments and really there were only like three or four clubs, which is a lot, don't get me wrong, that felt even safe to walk in. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I got groped at one, but we don't have to get into that. Um, years and years ago, the, the owner, did, you know, so, so I faced some, some crappy stuff in some of these clubs. Yeah. But there are some that are awesome. Um, yeah. I'm good friends with a couple of the comedy club owners. And, and those are the ones that I'm like, I hope they open back up soon. And I think the, hopefully the green room will be just a healthier, more vibrant, kinder place. Well, and I mean, it kind of points to something that we've been talking about on the show lately, which is, I think one sort of side effect of this whole pause on comedy and live shows and all that, and just, you know, not just comics, but just being human beings and going through a pandemic like this, is that, you know, comedy, and especially in a scene like New York, stand-up is such an ego and competition driven thing and it's all about the hustle and just go 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 everything's about your gig sheet and it's this whole life encompassing thing do you think this has kind of in a way forced a lot of new perspective on comics and given people some sort of maybe humility that was missing before I think so I think the pandemic has made all of us go within whether we wanted to or not um and I I know the comics I'm closer to have used the time to go within, think about, you know, how do I want to express myself both on stage or in other creative outlets? Right. Um, I just got my TikTok up and running. Um, but there are so many ways that you can be funny and put stuff out there, even when the, the clubs aren't as open. But I do think from the ones that I've spoken to, um, they're ready to approach it where maybe it's not as addictive. Like you can get addicted, as you know, to getting on stage. So some of, of these course, Manhattan yeah. comics were like, I need three or four spots a night or I don't feel good enough, you know? Yeah. And the last spot better be a laugh or I'm going to have to find a fifth spot, you know? Like you can't end on a bomb or their whole ego collapses. So I That's think- right. It's like those gym addicts or something where if exactly. you're not going to, Yeah. Doing five yeah. mics a night, then you're not, then you're not doing anything. I mean, I, I feel like, and this is one thing we were talking about earlier, and, and we were talking about this last week too, I think, you know, because we're now in a full year of this, this this time last year is when we were first broadcasting remotely and when, when COVID first hit. And I think at the beginning, obviously there was such a giant question mark above everything. Comics were like, I don't know what's going to happen. When are festivals coming back? Blah, blah. 
now a year later, you're talking about the fact that you could be out in the Philly suburbs and doing stuff online and you don't, people have found a way to work within these constraints that maybe they'll still do after all this is over. I hope there's a healthy balance. I hope this has taught everyone to feel into our systems, our bodies. What do we need? Sometimes we want to be able to work from home, whether yeah. we're not feeling well or we're pushing our limitations. So I'm hoping that as we get through this, people are like, it's okay if I'm feeling sick, whether it's COVID or not, Yeah. to rest and to stay home and maybe do something virtually. Or, you know, when they do get to go on stage and go out, there's more zest and appreciation. Like, wow, I finally got to leave my house. I wasn't fully appreciating the crisp air and all these cool people I know that I get to interact with. Um, yeah, so... And I think it's so essential as as a comedy writer too. I mean, there's there's this sort of catch twenty two that happens. I think especially with comics when they're in those first few years of their career and they're trying to put in the stage time because you get into this cycle, like you were saying, of literally twenty four seven. All you're thinking about is hitting mics, hitting mics, going on the stage. But it's sort of that catch twenty two of you know if you aren't living life to some degree, then you can't what are you talking about on stage? Like what material are you generating? I think this has been like a sort of a forced writing exercise for a lot of people. Yes. Yeah. Which is always good. And I, so I put out a, a comedy rap song, right? Mm. I don't know if I'm allowed to, can I say the name of the, I don't think Absolutely. it's a, yeah. Labia game. Yeah. Um, crazy. <laughs> that I have to be careful saying labia, but like, I think hopefully it's allowed people to push their silliness and the creativity. You know, I did get some heat to say the least when I put that out by certain Manhattan comics who take yeah. comedy very seriously, which I can respect, um, but really did not like where I was going in terms of pushing boundaries. They didn't get it. But I hope that this time has even for those kinds of people who were like, no, it's stand up for me. And that's the main thing great but like maybe push yourself find your inner artist write some poetry maybe well, that can affect your your stand-up you know but just express it's totally true and of course after the break I want to get into more of that with you because you have a very interesting balance of the things that you do versus being a stand-up on stage and yeah putting out this content too but also what you do aside from that I think one thing that has happened during this is a lot of those comics that were always so like glued in that mindset of Stand up, that's it. Nothing else is, is really comedy. Musical comedy isn't comedy. Sketch doesn't count. Improv doesn't count. Online stuff, for sure not. And a lot of those comics have sort of, out of, out of necessity, I guess, during this past year, gone, okay, you know what? Well, yeah, I'm not going to be out on stage at the club. I'm not going to be on the festivals. There's a whole other platform here, though. There's a new way to reach an audience. And I think it's opened up a lot of minds and broadened some horizons. Um, but of course, Kate Wolf, we're going to come back from the break and get into uh you you like i said you have a very interesting balance of what you do outside of comedy and sort of how those two things are tied together and i feel like they're probably kind of both of equal importance right now during these strange times that we're living in we're gonna come back with more kate wolf at nyc right here on inside jokes Hi, this is Kate Wolf, and you're listening to Inside Jokes. Welcome 
Welcome back to Inside Jokes, baby! Right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Brought to you, of course, by Hakeem Optical. Helping you socially distance more clearly because the live show plug still doesn't quite make sense yet, but we're getting there. It's been a year and we're getting there. We, of course, have Kate Wolf down in NYC on the line with us. And Kate, we were sort of talking before the break about how this whole pandemic situation in comedy has forced a lot of comics to sort of take a step back and live real life again, right? And sort of appreciate life off stage and family and friends and having some sort of work-life balance. For you, you do something very interesting though, because when you're not on stage, you're also a spiritual healer, which I was curious what exactly, what that entails, but also what's that balance like? Because I feel like at the beginning of COVID, when all this stuff was brand new and up in the air, there was almost this sense of, because everything was so mysterious and looming and dark, there was almost this sense of, do we even need to comedy right now? Is it okay to comedy right now? But I feel like, I don't know, laughter is the best medicine, right? I mean, I feel like with all the things that have gone on at the same time in the world right now, how how important is it, do you think, for us to have comedy and for us to have political satire during all this craziness? I think it's a necessity. I don't I think it's something we do to cope with everything. Laughter is healing. And obviously not the kind of laughter that's like mean or bullying, that kind of thing. But yeah, but on the whole, even in the darkest places in our lives, I think we need humor. You have to see that perspective on it. Otherwise life becomes way too heavy with all the things one can encounter, you know, and I've lived a full life and, um, definitely had, uh, some, falls you could say that I had a rise from but even in those falls I had to be able to laugh at what was happening you know even if I was crying the minute before you know laughing not just with by myself but with other people who can find light in dark places as well that's true too and I mean of course you're so the balance of things that you do when you're not on stage performing and you're not doing this stuff you are a spiritual healer which I mean what exactly, what exactly does that entail? And also like, how, how much does that sort of balance with your comedy? Is it two completely side, different sides of you or do they, are they married together in that way? I think, cause I've been trying to marry them since my big spiritual awakening about eight years ago. So I had already started comedy and then had, um, I was like slowly kind of waking up into there might be more than just the physical reality, but I had a near death experience yeah. And um, started waking up to the magic that was here that I'd never really believed in. And at the same time, trying to bring what was going on <laughs> within me to the stage. Yeah. So it was really interesting and hard to weave or marry them together at first. I was so nervous to talk about some of the things that I was experiencing and starting to believe in to Manhattan tourists just wanting to have a fun time. And here I am like, who here believes in enlightened aliens, you know, or like, <laughs> what are we? Are we just consciousness? And these people being like, what is she talking about? Like, talk about your dating life. Um, so it was, it was tricky at first to kind of, to bridge them. And then you start, like you said, feeling into the natural marriage actually between the two. Yeah. Because, you know, in order to really be able to live here on earth, you have to be able to laugh. You have to be able to have fun. You have to be able to have people um, that you can have deep conversations with. And um, so the healing and being a healer 
just kind of goes with it. Because I think when you're a comedian, you're trying to find your voice, right? You're trying to find your authenticity. And to me, healing work is the same thing, being who yeah. you really are, unraveling these defense mechanisms that keep us stuck being someone we're not really, but we had to become or twist into that shape to survive certain traumatic experiences or environments. So both comedy and healing work, it's about being your truest self. So they kind of go hand in hand. And I don't think it's a coincidence that I had a spiritual awakening two years into comedy. Cause once yeah. again, you're trying to find who am I? What makes me funny, right? Every comedian's trying to do that. Or it's like, oh, that's just another white chick comedian, right? Otherwise you start to blur. So we're all looking for what makes us different. And it led me into this whole spiritual awakening, but there's so much comedy in it. And my healing work also taught me to come back into the mundaneness, the beautiful things yeah. we do every day in life. So healing is really about coming into your body, enjoying those things. And comedy is really about looking at the everyday and finding the funny in shaving or how <laughs> yeah. we eat, you know? So they really now at this point go hand in hand. Um, well, and I think it's going to be interesting to see where that sort of comes back after all this, because I think before this whole thing happened, there was this sort of split going on in comedy a little bit where everything felt like it had to have like a message attached to it. So there was this certain like overt preachiness that was happening. And then the opposite of that was you were getting a lot of comics who were running in the complete opposite direction going, no, I'm just, I'm going to say the stuff nobody else is brave enough to stay and say, and I'm going to push the envelope. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how that swings back around. Cause also I think it, it's, it's going to be a bit of a double-edged sword in some way because we're coming out of this time period where, you know, there's a global pandemic and the climate's falling apart and there's all these social movements happening and all this change happening and the political situation, of course, in the US, but planet wide was absurd this year. So it's going to be like comics trying to figure out, okay, do I use all that stuff and talk about all that stuff that we've just come out of? Or have we had enough of this? And even though I can be back on stage again now, do I talk about literally anything but all that? It's so hard to predict who's even going to make it back to the stage. Yeah. You know, <laughs> there might be some comics that this year they're like, I don't ever want to go back on a freaking stage. Yeah. And yeah. then, and then when they do, what do they want to talk about? So I think it's just so hard to predict. I know that from my year taking a step back, I have a lot to say, but that's because a lot of stuff was going on in my life, right? So I hope that people, no matter no matter what the who the comedian is, what kind of category they fit into, I hope they take their real thoughts to the stage. Cause I'm sick of seeing in the same way you were saying the same stuff, whether it's in one category or another. It's like, yeah, who are you? What do you really think? What are your vulnerabilities? Can you make them funny? And um, that's what I'm really interested. Well, and what you were saying before, too, I mean, you know, the, the fact that, I mean, comedy, comedy has the power to take a huge, massive situation like that, a tragic thing or a big global, whatever it is, all this stuff that's been going on, and sort of draw the funny from that and take the power out of that. But it also could be as simple as like you were saying, just literally everyday stuff. So it'll be interesting, too, to see how comics tackle that, because we've kind of I can't think of any time in our lifetime where we've all literally every human being on the planet has had such a shared 
global experience. So every single comic out there has waited in line at the grocery store with a mask on six feet apart from everybody else, just like every other person. Right. So all these comics, all of a sudden, yes, they had all this downtime and they had all this time to sort of like think of material and hone things and do whatever, but we've also had the exact same common experience. So it'll be interesting to see how comics actually do something with that. Well, I want to hear about the divorces that happen. <laughs> yes. You know, yeah. I want to hear about that. Like you get on stage and be like, well, I'm divorced now. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, you know, I'm not saying you have to get divorced if you're a comic, but like bring, bring that, you know, yes, we all waited in line with masks. And if someone has a great bit on that, you know, man, wearing a mask made me realize I was into the sexual fantasy. Okay. Yeah. Then you took yeah, yeah. it in your own way, <laughs> but I want to hear people's truth. I am sick of, you know, it's, it's interesting. We were all wearing masks emotionally. And then we collectively created a pandemic where we all started actually wearing masks. I oh, want to see, <laughs> I want to see people's realness. I am sick yeah. of the facades. So whatever that is, I want to see it brought to stage or I personally will be <sighs> yawning, you know, yeah. but someone that we both admire, Nathan McIntosh always, always brings of the heat. Course. Love Nathan. Yeah. Yes, he he brings the heat no matter what he's talking about. And then, do you guys know my friends Jay Lequier and Aton Mills? Yes, in fact, we were talking about doing the, the show. Yeah, you used to live with them, right? Yes, Jay and Aton were my roommates, and uh, Des Des Lavoy, Tim Dorsch. So you know, we had a sketch a sketch show called Farts and A Holes. It had, was um, <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to curse enough. So um. But that was an example, getting to work with them was an example of pushing creative limits and having fun on stage, no matter. Yeah. And, and some of it was stand up, some of it was sketch. I mean, Jay is out of his mind in the best way possible. Getting to like work with him. And when he would do improv in the sketches where you just didn't even know where he could take it. I mean, he just, yeah, he, he brings the heat. So I wanna see more art like that. Um, what Jay does, Aton, Des, Tim Dorsch, Nathan McIntosh, and th there are probably some others that we both equally admire and love. I, I, I think that is so absolutely true. And I mean, a lot of the comics we've talked to during this are the, it, it's the comics who almost went into this whole thing being like, what pandemic, <laughs> you know? Cause they just found ways to, they, they've been at home for an entire year, but they put out a full album during that time or they started this completely new online thing. And they, they sort of, they can just abstract from nothing. They can come up with this comic brilliance out of a completely blank slate. And I think it is going to be, I hate to say it, but a, like you said, it's going to be a calling in a way because all these open mics and all this stuff that was so oversaturated with a lot of people who, you know, watched a Netflix special and then I, I want to trust in a lot of that. A lot of that is going to be a huge reset after this. You're going to see, I think, it, I hate to say it, but it's almost like survival of the fittest in comedy in a way. I'm ready. I am ready for it. I'm like Hunger Games ready. Um, no, I I kind of got bullied in the Manhattan community, not by everyone. I have so many lovely people, but I'm like not ready to come back mean to them, but I'm ready to come back and show like I belong here, whether it's Manhattan or any stage. I am ready to hit the stage again. Um, I've done so much work on accepting who I am and allowing myself to say certain things on stage, yeah. um, with certain boundaries. My new boyfriend is also teaching me 
that I can have some boundaries. I don't have to share every single thing on stage. Or <laughs> yeah. Podcast. Yeah. He's like, maybe not share your OBGYN pap smear results. You know, <laughs> what could that be like to not have to share it? And I was like, oh, privacy. Um, but yeah, I, I know I'm ready, not just for the stage, but to keep creating my boyfriend's learning green screen, which is opening up both of our worlds of what we can. Oh, absolutely. Create. Yeah. Yeah. When you start really getting to edit with green screen, you can have so much fun with that. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm ready to like reconnect with my comedian friends. I haven't seen in forever that are just some of the most talented. Like, obviously we said Nathan Macintosh, but I was talking to some other of my girlfriend comics and it's like, what can we create together? I have a comedian dancer friend. She does like comedy dance and yeah. we're talking about some videos. So I think in terms of the survival of the fittest, those who are real artists coming to create, coming to bring something interesting, like they'll quote unquote make it because it's ultimately about fulfillment anyway, you know? I think so too. And I mean, well, I, I think it's about balance too. And I mean, one of the things that gives you such a great perspective is not just the fact that yes, you're a healer on top of being a comic, but it's just having that balance. Cause it's a strange thing to do with your life. And comedy is such a, it's, it's one of those careers that's such an all consuming lifestyle thing. And you're going into this world where you're in bars and nightclubs every night, or you're out on the road and sleeping in crappy motels in towns that you don't want to be in. And you're putting yourself out there and every single thing in your life is just being churned out into material so having that sort of that that sort of veneer that you can put up and having that balance and being able to step outside of that in some way I think is what is what keeps comics in the game after something like this absolutely uh Kate Wolf we can of course we can talk to you all day about this stuff but before we do let you go for our listeners where can people find the stuff you're putting out now I love the fact that you're learning green screen just now at the end of the pandemic <laughs> Just the same as how it took Vince and myself a year to figure out how to do this show on Zoom. So we're really late in the game here, but that's fine. So Kate, where can people find your stuff and what you're working on now? Um, you can find my podcast, Invasion of Privacy, on iTunes, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. Check it out. And then you can also check out my new TikTok. It's actually, for me, growing easier than Instagram has been for me over the years. Yeah. So I'm really excited. Uh, my TikTok is Kate Fanchon Wolf. And thank you for having me on. This was great. Yeah. Of course. We'd love to have you back again sometime. And hopefully live comedy will be a thing again one day. And maybe you could come perform in Toronto before you yes. go back to Manhattan. Because it, like I said, it's like, it's just like Manhattan, but like, it's like the, the, the Fresca version of Manhattan, let's say. I'm actually really wanting to come to Toronto to do show. I've been wanting to go for years and years, so we will make that happen. There we go. Kay Wolf, thank you so much for joining us. Stay safe, keep doing what you do, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. All right, bye. You're listening to Inside Jokes on 640. I'm at the sock, and I don't know why I just did this. Back to an all-new Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Thank you, of course, again to Kate Wolf down in New York. Now we're bringing it back home, though. We have returning guest of the show, Canadian comedy heavyweight. Glad to have him back on. Mr. Ron James is on the air with us. And, of course, so, Ron, 
you've been as busy as anybody else during this pandemic and just sort of figuring things out and how to roll with all this. You're actually doing a new live streaming special. Yeah, it's the third one. Uh, the last one, uh, the first one we did in June, I, I said, nah, let's give it a whirl. I'd done a couple of these corporate gigs, just talking to the computer. Yep. So, uh, uh, you know, you see yourself on and stuff and you do it. And I said, well, let's give it a whirl, man. So we did it in June and we had about 360. And I thought, oh, that was fun. It wasn't, uh, you know, root canal done with a pointy stick, just an adaptation. <laughs> and you don't hear laughs. And uh, really, for the first 18 months of stand-up, um, that's what I lived anyway, 25 yeah. years ago. So it's kind of come full circle. It's kind of like you're, um, uh, you know, you're doing a set in a space capsule orbiting the Nebulon galaxy, sending gifts <laughs> back to Earth. Uh, then the next one we did was New Year's and uh, cripes, we did 3,500 uh, paid uh, customers, New Year's Eve. What? And that's the interesting thing, yeah. Ron, because one thing we've been talking to a lot of comics about during, you know, this entire past year, especially seasoned comics like yourself that have been at this for 20, 30 years, is that whole adaptability thing. I mean, you're one of the original road dogs. A lot of our listeners, of course, will know you from, you know, your, your sitcom, your CBC specials and all that stuff. But you always sort of paved that trail yourself. I mean, you were you were a road dog. You were out there selling out theaters and building your own audience. How much of a swing in, in you know, change in paradigm is this for you now doing these live stream things? Do you think it'll go back to the way things were for you at some point? Oh, yeah. It's going to go back. It does. You know, you just read the history of plagues and things. And, uh, you know, granted, it's not the 14th century, but uh, people are hungry uh, yeah. for um, for that communal experience. They're, they're, they just are. And um, I think when everyone begins to feel safe again and the vaccines are rolled out and the variants are put to bed or whatever happens with them and herd immunity hits, um, I'll be out there. Uh, and it's the, um, I mean, it's the lodestone. Uh, it's, it's the heartline hum of people in place that, that kept me uh, hitting the road as hard as I did for 20 years. And it was built one kilometer, one gig at a time. Absolutely. Or I put together around the frozen lip of Lake Superior in February. And, uh, but this is, has been an, an, a tectonic shift in the paradigm. And, but I will tell you, uh, just because uh, live performance took a torpedo to the bow to rival the Lusitania, I'd yeah. be damned if the 25 <laughs> years I put in with my calling uh, was going to scuttle it. And I wanted to stay engaged. And for my own mental health, I wanted to stay uh, active in writing. And uh, I knew that if we, if we started uh, reaching out, that the audience would be there for it. And um, gee, they are, you know? Uh, yeah. you know I have a great, um, uh, a great IT uh, person uh, by the name of... Um, Keith Tomasek, who has a podcast like yourself, yeah, and spoke to performers years ago. He spoke to me when I had my series. So I uh, began working with him to build up my Facebook profile. Uh, I have a great uh, publicist now uh, uh, who worked. Uh, I brought her in for this particular show, uh, Jill Spitz. And um, I'm also collaborating with Paul Pogue, who wrote on my last specials, That's and right, my, yeah. all, all my series, and uh, Chris Finn, uh, uh, one of the original um uh, road Warriors, uh, who wrote for 17 years on Mercer and uh, I believe five on this hour and already had, I think, 10 years in the clubs before he got that gig. So just to have the three of us talking the shorthand that comedians speak and dealing with these contentious issues uh, these that have polarized and fractured all of us, not to mention, the, you know, the whole world that we're, I mean, we've been riding this 
white knuckle of a Corona coaster into this dystopian netherworld for the last year where uh, you'd sell your soul now. for a hug and a haircut. Yeah. And so to connect the dots and make sense of that chaos we're all walking through in the language of laughs is really what we do. And um, I, I had to just stay engaged with the work. It was mandatory. And yeah. someone asked me, I did an interview in the, in the Star with Denny Grignon. He said, so what's the end goal? I said, there is no end goal. You know, there's no, uh, there's no grail I'm chasing. I'm just trying to have fun and keep it simple and give the people what they paid for when I was on the road that they can now see from my living room. That's right. And I think one of the one of the the keys to what you've always done and how you've, you know, you you did something that Canadian comics for the most part could never wrap their minds around, which was how to build their own audience here at home. We've talked to you about this before. I mean, you did go stateside and all that, but you built this Canadian folio. You're like the tragically hip of Canadian comics. <laughs> you know, you stayed here at home. To be in, brother. Right? Uh, well, I will tell you what happened, Dean. I put my three years, I was an actor for 17 years. I started with the Second City organization. Yeah. And when yeah. the scene went off the pumpkin for me during a period of, un, a year's period of unemployment in Los Angeles uh, uh, with improv and uh, I, uh, you know, granted, you know, I learned my stage skills at the 110 Lombard Street when the old fire hall was the iconic um, uh, grail for any improviser in the country. And yeah. I was in a great cast and I learned the, the stage skills and fundamentals of 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 uh, of writing and 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 delivery and I mean I was always funny like all of us we were always funny growing up in the classroom and kitchen but I'll tell you it's an exponential leap from from being on stage with six people or or having a two person scene where you can complain together about how the audience didn't get you to doing it live in front of uh, by yourself and when that solo spot as everyone remembers uh, the crucible of amateur night stares you down like the judgmental eye of God and oh, you're yes. hearing nothing but contemptible silence from the audience. That's what separates uh, us from improv. And I, you know, I, I like to say that uh, improv are, you know, five Bolsheviks trying to decide the color of a tractor on a communist farm <laughs> while uh, stand-up is an enlightened dictatorship. <laughs> and that, that's I, right. I, we're going to come back with more Ron James and find out what he's talking about in this new live streaming special. Uh, we're going to be right back with more inside jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hi, my name is Amanda Day and you are listening to Inside Jokes on 640. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto, and of course, coast to coast on the Global News Radio Network. We have Canadian comedy heavyweight Ron James on the air with us right now. With of course, so Ron, you have this is your this is your third live streaming special during this never-ending March 2020. We've been stuck in. Yeah, one, yeah, three months. One thing <laughs> that you've never been shy about, too, Ron. I mean, when you're out there hitting the highway and you're going from town to town, is you know, you have this relatability about you and you have this sort of every man sort of quality about you, but you're also not, you, you don't shy away from the political. I think, especially in the last few years with so much absurd things that have gone on, what's some of the stuff that you're touching on in this new special? I mean, 
there's a lot to work with there, but at the same time, do you think- Well, we we're taking a deep dive on QAnon, so if I disappear, <laughs> drag the harbor, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, the year kicked off with a bang, literally, January yeah. 6th. I mean, it was a zombie apocalypse on the Capitol Hill. And, uh, you know, Canada's always been staring over the fence at our next door neighbor, uh, jealous, really. I mean, we're jealous again, right? The Americans crashed the site, moved to Canada, eight months ago, and now they can't find us on a map again. So it's all back to normal. Uh, but uh, I, uh, it's, uh, you, you know, I mean, for the last five years, really, we looked over the fence and we saw the pit bulls jumping in the backyard. And then Uncle Joe took over the helm and the orange mutant got the boot. Uh, but he's like Dr. Octopus in a Spider-Man movie. Just when you think he's down, you see a tentacle twitching, right? That's right. And so we back to his villain's lair, surrounded by a coterie of psychophants and glad-handing courtiers who'd happily walk downwind from his gelatinous flatulence just to breathe the same air. But given the level of radioactive bullshit that guy's been carrying for the last five years, it's probably got the conditions of Chernobyl in it. Yeah, so we'll take a deep dive on that. And then, you know, I mean, when 74 million people south of the border think that the election was rigged yeah. and yeah. there's 395 million weapons in the hands of 370 million Americans. Uh, Joe might have pulled the country back from the brink, but it's gonna take him a hell of a long time and a big challenge to make America sane again. But you know, when I saw those, uh, that, that, that collection of conspiracy-addled MAGA hat-wearing mouth breathers making a beeline for Capitol Hill and then numbnuts, the QAnon shaman, dressed oh, yeah. at a Buffalo Bills tailgate party. Hey, <laughs> Jesus, they're done for. What? What? <laughs> they're they're There's not conspiracy theories don't catch on in Canada. We always blame Quebec. It's always solved. It's really easy. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And I think, I mean, you kind of sum it up perfectly because we're in this weird double-edged sword right now of sort of, there's so much to talk about and there's so much that is ripe for comedy. Look, yes, that doesn't mean I want to let... That doesn't mean I want to let Trudeau off the hook either. I mean, you know, That's right. Donald, Trump was his, Donald Trump was his best smokescreen. You know, every time the orange mutant opened his mouth, Justin walked on water. But he had the Wee scandal. He had Wilson Raybould. He had, oh, the blackface. Good. Uh, you know, that didn't yeah. stick. Amazing. Right. I was really glad that he didn't post a, a, a picture of him and the family at Christmas time because we might have got a version of Porgy and Bess because you know that Sophie loves to sing. Anyway, uh, you know, it's just uh, endless. And come on, man, you know, you can get the vaccine at the Wendy's drive-thru in America. Yeah. Uncle Joe turned the place around in 48 hours, a 78-year-old fella. And meanwhile, buddy, you can do push-ups on his desk with one hand. We're still waiting for the cotton swabs to show up for Mauritania. He's a great <laughs> Pete guy's going to have the herd immunity. Uh, and we won't even have the applications yet in Toronto from Rexall. That's right. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, it's it's madness, it's chaos, it's a political minefield. But this is the challenge now for all of us. This balkanization of the country uh, is a dangerous place to be because we've always been able to take jokes about ourselves. But I think with the way politics has become so personal, yeah, that it's not only a political, uh, it's not only a political observation anymore. It's a personal observation. That's right. So yeah. how, do you, how do you negotiate that world of polarity and maintain the mandate that I've always had, which is for people to leave the audience feeling a hell of a lot lighter 
then they came in. I think it's a comedian's job to lighten the load, not add more bricks to the pack. That's right. And I think especially after what we've all gone through and what we're coming slowly coming out of i think that's more important than ever ron we could do this all day my friend but before we do let you go where can people of course stream this new special because i think we have a good taste of what uh of what's to come thanks it's my website uh, ronjames.ca and it's 8 p.m on the 21st uh i know that's a sunday but um uh, we want it to hit right there on uh, uh, at the beginning of spring and so www.ronjames.ca starts at eight o'clock and you can zoom it and there's a stage right there and uh come on in we'll hang out in the living room for the evening beautiful ronjames.ca and listen to that that's perfect they can stream your special and then tune into us right afterwards that works out perfectly ron thank you so much man thank you for doing what you do and putting this stuff out there and i mean obviously in a perfect world we can't wait to actually see you live on stage again but in the Thank meantime, you. three of these live streaming specials, that's uh, no small feat. Thank you so much, Ron. Thank you. Just staying well, alive. Stay safe and keep doing what you do. Thanks so much, man. And of course, Canadian comedy icon, Ron James. Don't forget to tune into his special at ronjames.ca. That is our show. We'll be back next week, and you can listen to all our episodes right back to the beginning on Global News Online. Hi, this is Alicia Carusi. And you're listening to my aunt, Sandra Carusi's Comedy Rx. This week's Comedy Rx features Ron James. It's one thing to hold on to youth, but ease up on the grip or you'll strangle your dignity. We've all gone out for a pint with an old pal who's always two beers and one toke shy of a trip down Glory Day's memory lane and his 1977 winning overtime goal post-game puck bunny conquest. Huh? Now he's bemoaning his alimony crucifixion, collapsing portfolio and the loss of his power wink. Oh yeah, the power wink, huh? 35 years ago, he could shoot one at a cutie across the dance floor and never go home alone. Now his one-time power wink is powerless. It's just not working like it used to. No wonder, you dink. Coming from a beer-bloated, bloodshot, 58-year-old noggin. He probably thinks you're having a stroke. <laughs> Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the great white north and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.